What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Happy whatever day. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. A Bowerless Bauer and Rose podcast. One of the reasons I think the show name needs to change. Every weekend right here, Sirius XM, the satellite channel, Patriot 125, the Bauer and Rose podcast, hosted by our friends at justthenews.com and our podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. My Twitter feed, which I'm just now learning how to figure out, at Tom Rose Indy, I-N-D-Y, our Bauer and Rose email address, which we hope and expect within the next six to seven months, somebody will be able to figure out how to open, BauerandRoseRadio.com. Now let's get to it. I don't want to get into the indictment itself, A, because I'm not an attorney, and B, because I think that is irrelevant. What we're seeing here, and you've heard this repeated oftentimes, in other, from other commentators, from other writers. What we're looking at at its core, this has nothing to do with Donald Trump. At its core, it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. At its core, what we're looking at is criminalizing dissent, punishing everybody who votes against the state-supported candidate, warning them never to do it again, and forever ending, this is the key point, this is what's at stake, forever ending our two-party competitive electoral system. Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, and Joe Biden have upended destroyed our electoral system. It survived our electoral system 247 years. It survived for 247 years. It survived a civil war. We had two fair elections during a civil war in which 650,000 Americans died. There was a bitterly contested election in 1860, the results of which ripped the country apart. It survived two world wars, at least half a dozen bitterly contested elections. And now it's all gone. Now it's all flushed down the you-know-what. Now anybody who dares to challenge an election that is opposed by People in power can be prosecuted, can be criminalized, can be imprisoned. Tuesday's attempt to legally assassinate Donald Trump was much more than one of the 
numerous outrageous miscarriages of justice. What happened Tuesday was a kill shot against our competitive two-party political system about criminalizing dissent, about disenfranchising the votes of anybody who opposes state-approved candidates. We had the most magnificent electoral system of any country in the history of the world. And the degree to which it has now been debased may well have passed the point of no return. I just don't know how to sugarcoat this or to portray it in a way any less severe or serious than, in fact, it is. The Rubicons, the defining moment, that cliche of, de- of a defining moment, if this isn't it, I don't know what is. What happens with the case is almost irrelevant. Of course, this case will result... By the way, Donald Trump now, as of this podcast, faces over 60 separate criminal indictments. All you need is a conviction on one. That's not the point. The point is that as far as the the, the, the Jan 6 indictment, it reads like the Jan 6 committee. He brought the charges that were recommended by the January 6th committee that sat for almost nine months, almost nearly identical to the work of this hyper-partisan, all-Democrat committee set up by Nancy Pelosi. But the weaponization of our justice system now is such that Democrats are emboldened enough to actually flaunt what they're doing in high-profile, big-media write-ups. The New York Times, on Wednesday, unapologetic, boastful story, the January 6th Trump indictment relies heavily on the House panel's work. Really? No kidding. The January 6th committee, this is again from the New York Times, quote, provided us a roadmap of the sorts for the 45-page indictment Mr. Smith released on Tuesday. And of course we know that the Mr. Smith destroys Washington meme is not something coincidental. On March 16 of this year, James Comer reveals Biden family payments publishes 170 special activity reports that had to be subpoenaed by Congress from the Treasury Department. A specific specific activity report is something required by law for every financial institution that records a transaction in excess of $10,000 that doesn't comport with normal business activity. So the bank is obligated by law to report that to the Treasury. The Treasury on Joe Biden had at least, that's all we've been able to uncover today, God knows how many there are, 170 of these reports Treasury sat on. Congress requested them. Treasury refused. Treasury stonewalled. 
they were subpoenaed. Finally, Treasury had no choice to pass them over. That was on March 16th. On March 19th, Trump's indicted in New York on the criminal case of engaging in a non-disclosure agreement with Stormy Daniels. Coincidence? Maybe, maybe not. On June 8th, the House Committee on Investigation, the Comer Committee, views the FBI 1023 reports, whistleblower reports, that contain the testimony of two highly credible IRS employees of long standing arguing that the Justice Department and the FBI and the White House threw repeated roadblocks into the Hunter Biden investigation, both criminally at the FBI and civilly at the IRS. A five-year investigation designed to, ex- to have the statute of limitations expire before any action was taken. The very next day, the very next day, Trump's indicted in the documents case. On the 26th of July, two weeks ago, Hunter Biden's plea deal in Wilmington, Delaware, falls apart. What do you think happened the next day, July 27th? Trump indicted again with superseding indictments to the document case. Designed to move up the trial date to get Judge Cannon down in Palm Beach to move up the trial date so it's before the election. And of course, what we saw this week, the piece de la resistance, Devin Archer testifies before a House panel on the 31st of July and the very next day, Donald Trump's January 6th indictment comes out. All the legal analysis, all the legal prognostications, the case is weak, it doesn't hold up here, it doesn't hold up there. It's, it's sadly irrelevant because there will be convictions. Why? This case was assigned in this incestuous marinating stew of the, of the D.C. Uh, legal fraternity. The Washington, D.C. Circuit Court has 12 judges. Ten of those judges used to work at the Justice Department, so they're products of Maine Justice. Ten of the 12 were appointed by either Presidents Biden or Obama. Two appointed by President Trump. The case went to the most anti-Trump judge in that anti-Trump district court. The jury pool from which uh, jury members will be summoned must remain within the District of Columbia that votes the way Soviet citizens used to vote for the Communist Party. 3% of Washington, D.C. voted for Donald Trump in 2016. 94% voted for Joe Biden. So that's the jury pool. Now, like Russiagate, this partisan operation has created this roadmap of allegations that were then passed along to investigators and prosecutors since they couldn't make their case politically. And that's what this is. It's a political case. 
They've criminalized it. Now, everybody involved is bragging that, that a Democrat operation that generates illegitimate charges that were then acted on by a Democrat prosecutor inside the Department of Justice targeting his party's prospective political, his presidential opponent, is perfectly legitimate and the greatest legal moment since, you know, we got a real Clarence Darrow running around here. I, 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 I just don't know how this resolves itself. I don't know how we recover. I don't know how a Donald Trump re-election, and I hope in pray- Now, by the way, if you're not on the Trump train now, This isn't about Trump anymore. The reason Trump now has got to be reelected is to begin the process that I don't think even he will be able to complete of unraveling and unwrapping and demobilizing or demystifying our progressive uh, takeover of law enforcement. Again, you know, as we discussed earlier in the week, This is, it's a kill shot against our two-party system. Is it now, is there argument now that it's illegal to disagree with Democrats? Well, the indictment doesn't say so, but that's what the media is attempting to say so. This is, Jack Smith is the personification of, of election interference. If there is a silver lining to come out of this, and I'm not certain there is, if there is a silver lining to come out of this, this indictment and the subsequent trials that will follow will demand of the defense a relitigation of all the election interference that took place in 2020. And the election interference that took place in 2020 is so massive and so extensive. And unfortunately it hasn't really been examined or explained to the extent that the American people need or deserve. And that's, that's, that's the problem. That's the problem because uh, Molly Hemingway's book rigged, was uh, so detailed as to what uh, this election rigging was about, about what happened, about how, uh, how, this, how this whole thing unfolded as to become uh, something that is, is, is just terrifying, the degree to which our two-party electoral system uh, faces faces a threat, a risk that we've never before had to deal with, ever. Because this isn't simply about delegitimizing or criminalizing Donald Trump. At the same time, and we see this with Hunter Biden, it's about covering up their own crimes and their own misdemeanors covering up their own role in the crimes and the looting and the riots of 2020. 
their own crimes in covering up their own role in manipulating and rigging the 2020 election. No evidence or even mention of which was even permitted by the January 6th committee, let alone referred to obliquely in the January 6th indictment. Nothing whatsoever save the issue of whether or not there was conclusive evidence of quote-unquote widespread, their favorite term, which they define as they wish, fraud on election day itself. So while the 2000 election is contested by Democrats, called fraudulent, litigated, 2004 presidential election disputed by Democrats who called for an alternate slate of electors in the state of Ohio. I guess we now have to call them fake electors and demand the trial, conviction, and imprisonment of those who stood in the well of the House demanding the admission of a fake slate of electors from Ohio in 2004. 2016, election denial publicly, privately, bureaucratically, judicially. And it was all related to what they said on on election day, right? And since they naturally conclude, obviously, that the 2020 election, which was the most irregular, at least since 1860, maybe 1864, the most irregular election in 150 years, not only do they say was the safest, purest, most flawless election ever held, but if you doubt that, if you state your opposition, if you raise your questions, you are subject to criminal indictment. Since they conclude, nope, best election ever, Nothing to see here, folks. There can't be any questions about the 2020 election. Well, now guess what? Thanks to these indictments by Jackass Smith, we are now going to relitigate. Everybody knew. And now we've got an opportunity to reposition 2020 in a way that the American people hopefully can begin to see not not the never Trumpers, doesn't matter what, Trump can cure cancer and walk across the Pacific Ocean and the headlines will be, Donald Trump can't swim. The 2020 election was rigged long before election day. And the 2024 election has been rigged long before next year's election. The rigging that's going on now dwarfs the rigging that happened in 2020. Those who claim that 2020 wasn't rigged on a technicality because they all changed all the technicalities before the election. They changed all the rules before the election to make it easier to cheat, to make verification harder. The equivalent of right before tip-off of Game 7 of an NBA championship 
David Stern, I can't who's I don't remember the name of the new NBA commissioner, comes out and announces dramatic new rules changes to the game of basketball five minutes before tip-off. Would that be rigging the outcome of a basketball game? And then there's the media, which engaged in more widespread, massive, coordinated propaganda designed to hurt Trump and to help Biden as we've ever seen before. But if you think 2020 was bad, look what we're seeing today. This isn't deniable. It's a fact. It's a fact supported by oceans of evidence. The list is literally endless. The two-year promotion of this totally fake Russia collusion lie, invented and promoted by a coordinated campaign between Hillary, the FBI, the intelligence agencies, and the media. The list is, is, is endless. Here's a list somebody should try to compile. I would imagine with 60 prosecutors, Jack Smith's special counsel's office in Washington might have somebody uh, who would want to do this. A list of the crimes, real or imagined, of the flaws, real or imagined, of the dissembling, real or imagined, the dangers, real or imagined, that the big state, which includes the media, includes the bureaucracy, includes law enforcement agencies, includes popular culture, academia, all the commanding heights of our culture, all the commanding heights of our institutions, all of the things real or imagined that they have tried to convict Donald Trump of. It's almost endless. Dozens, none of them, none have stuck. Not only hasn't that stopped them, not only didn't that stop them, it accelerated their push. It didn't initiate any self-reflection. It accelerated their push to find something, anything, anywhere, anyhow to convict him. He's a tax cheat. Remember that? Anonymous. This high-ranking cabinet official that was no such thing. The New York Times publishes him knowing full well that he was not what he claimed to be. So the New York Times colludes with a low-ranking member of DHS that I'd never heard of. I didn't hear of him because he never worked at the White House. I worked at the White House. I was there every day for four years, except when I was out with COVID. This guy worked at a sub-agency where he was outranked in his own sub-agency by 60 people. Every day Donald Trump, for four years, from 2016 to 2020, was accused of a crime, And now it seems almost every day since he's left office, he's being indicted for a crime. And the irony, of course, is that the initial impeachment, which was conducted without an impeachment inquiry, which is the usual course of action, you obtain evidence to determine whether or not an impeachment is warranted. But they didn't do that in the case of Job, of uh, Donald Trump attempting to inquire about Biden corruption in Ukraine. Isn't that interesting? Donald Trump is indicted for, or impeached 
for inquiring about Biden corruption. Biden corruption is so imperative to crush that a president who inquires about it is impeached. And this isn't mere media bias. This is a coordinated political propaganda campaign of the kind that international election observers routinely denounce as unfair, as negatively impacting the integrity and the legitimacy of elections that happen in other countries. Remember, Jimmy Carter spent decades traveling the world opining on uh, the election integrity in third world countries where he was asked to be an international observer. Now, this assault is an assault not just on free speech. It's an assault on freedom itself. There's not a single syllable of criminality that can be explained or defended in this, in this indictment. Donald Trump is being indicted for not accepting the left's narrative on the election. And the lie that he attempted to overturn, did he, how did he attempt to overturn the election? By questioning it? It's a political process. Each state sends a slate of electors. That's the state's determination. If Donald Trump was able, able to get uh, one of these toss-up states to send an alternate slate of electors, then Congress would have the opportunity to dismiss them and accept the original slate of, inve- of, uh, uh, of electors. This is an assault on free speech. It's an assault on the electoral system, and on anybody who dares to question the legitimacy of an election that the Democrats win. Because I tell you what, if Donald Trump wins this election, it suddenly won't be illegal to question the integrity of an election. It'll be illegal to accept the results of the election. There aren't any charges in this cockamamie crackpot indictment of treason, of insurrection. And the reason there's nothing in that indictment is because it didn't happen. They've spent two years turning over every rock, cross-examining every participial phrase, every comma, every inflection in recorded phone calls to find evidence, and they couldn't. So no matter what happens, no matter how badly these Democrats want to believe otherwise, Jack Smith is now the living, breathing personification of election interference. He's the point of the spear of this regime's effort to fix the 2024 election and all elections in the future. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose Show right here on Sirius XM, The Patriot, Channel 125. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, uh, no Gary Bauer today. I actually get to speak full, complete sentences without being interrupted by the bright man. Now, when, when Democrats win elections, anybody who questions them 
they have to be imprisoned. When Republicans win elections, it is election interference to call the election fair and credible. And if an excuse has to be provided as to how or why a Republican won an election, it's because it was either rigged by us, who are too stupid to tie our shoes and chew gum at the same time, or foreign interference. Now, Joe Biden is trying to use this criminal process to knock off the failed impeachments. The impeachments failed. One came relatively close in the Senate, 57 votes, I think it was. Jack Smith, and we're talking a lot about Jack Smith, but let's be honest here. This goes, Jack Smith works for Merrick Garland, who in turn works for Joe Biden. And it was Joe Biden who in a meeting that was recorded in White House records, the details of which are there, when Joe Biden explicitly says in this meeting he thinks Donald Trump should be criminally prosecuted for January 6th, and Jack Smith is in the, or uh, uh, Merrick Garland is in the room, what do you think that tells Merrick Garland? That tells Merrick Garland to get off his keister and get working on a series of criminal indictments. Trying to criminalize protected political speech based on these, these hyper-fake, read-thin legal theories. The Supreme Court repeatedly in modern times has admonished prosecutors to stay away from these creative legal theories, to stretch penal laws, to reach uh, misconduct convictions that Congress has not made illegal. This indictment reads like an MSNBC monologue. It doesn't say Trump did anything even remotely illegal. Maybe you didn't like his comments. Maybe you didn't like his texts. The whole thing falls apart. And that's why there were no direct January 6th uh, implications or indictments, rather, uh, charges in the indictment. Because when Donald Trump, 48 hours before the Stop the Steal uh, rally was to take place, when Donald Trump offered 10,000 National Guard troops to Nancy Pelosi and she refused, that ipso facto throws this case right into the wastebasket. How do you charge somebody with incitement, insurrection, and sedition when he offers 10,000 National Guard's troops to protect the Capitol and the leader of the Capitol refuses the request? Rhetoric, language, true or not, in seeking to, to keep hold of your office, Maybe it's not great behavior, but it sure as hell isn't illegal, and it's far, far from criminal fraud. Assuming a prosecutor could even prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Trump hadn't actually convinced himself that the election was stolen, and good luck with that. He has six or seven lawyers who say, who say he can't challenge based on this or that premise, and three lawyers who say that he can challenge on that premise. It's now illegal 
to be given contrary legal advice. That's a crime. It's criminal. Donald Trump is entitled by law to believe that the election was stolen from him. And as this process unfolds, we will see more and more evidence as the defense makes its case that the irregularities in 2020 were overwhelming. But you have to remember when you're thinking, and I hear these analysts talking about how the case doesn't have a chance, if only that were true. This case was conceived, concocted, directed, implemented, and enacted inside the left-wing Democrat incestuous Washington, D.C. legal system. It'll go before a left-wing Obama judge. The case will be heard in front of a jury that will be 95% Biden supporters, and maybe there might be one pro-Trump juror. Doubt it, doubt it. And this is supposed to be fair justice. He'll get his conviction. He'll get his conviction, or she'll get his conv- She'll get the conviction. Then there'll be an appeal, and of course, ultimately it'll get to the Supreme Court, but this is what we're going to be dealing with now for the next year, year and a half. We've never faced anything like this. Challenging elections <laughs> is almost as American as apple pie. It's been, go- it, it's been taking place over 200 years. It started in 1800. Free nations that have credible impartial election systems aren't afraid of election challenges. And the Democrats are spending tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, to own our elections lock, stock, and barrel. Now, it's just... This, the indictment repeatedly accuses Trump of a fraud on the assumption that Democrats seem to accept that, that Biden won the election and therefore challenging it is fraudulent. Challenging the election. Say, you know, wait a second here, fellas. I see lots of irregularities. That's what this indictment comes down to. It's illegal to disagree with Democrats. All forms of political opposition, if you take this, if you stretch this to its logical end, all forms of political opposition under this regime are now illegal. And Democrats say that the indictment's apolitical and isn't a result of political bias. In in. in In this Democrat worldview, Trump was making false claims about an election that he lost. Therefore, that's a crime. So if this indictment succeeds, freedom dies. If this indictment succeeds, dissent becomes illegal. To disagree with leftists no longer is just going to lead to a loss of work or arguments or being canceled on social media, it's going to lead, it already has led, to arrests, to trials, to personal bankruptcies, to prison stakes. The stakes here are nothing less than the survival of our country.
nothing less than the survival of our country. Who's going to make sure that our country survives? Who's going to ensure that freedom survives? One of the favorite Democrat smears against Republicans is to accuse us that, you know, we uh, hero worship Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump. But obviously it's the opposite. The MAGA base, which is ridiculed, unsophisticated, toothless, uneducated, lowbrow, fascists, Nazis, white supremacists, clinging to their knuckle-dragging billionaire hero Donald Trump, forgiving all of his sins, cheering for all of his racist dog whistles. So, according to them, Republicans are vulnerable to the political great men theory, uh, demagoguery, the, the rhetoric, the easy brushes. But the Democrats don't. Nothing that MAGA fans have ever said about Donald Trump comes close, comes close to the cringy, slivery, slimy Obama acolytes. And that's, unfortunately, you know, we, we look out, we see what's there, we wonder, we ask, we beg, we try. And how does it come? Now let's talk about the impeachment inquiry here. Um, Gary and I spoke earlier in the week, you know, what will it take Republicans? What will it take? What do we need? What do we want for the Biden impeachment inquiry to begin? What more can they ask for? All the evidence and more that's needed to proceed has been handed to them on a silver platter. They're sitting on a gold mine. They never had it so good. But yet Republicans hesitate. They stammer. They procrastinate. And why do they do that? Because, well, I, I, I think it's because they're terrified of being Trump. Trumped. Democrats keep saying there's no evidence. And the answer to that is what more evidence? Well, first of all, of, of course, you don't see any evidence because you refuse, not only refuse to look for evidence, but you actively block any efforts to obtain that evidence. I'm listening to some of these Republicans. You know, if we go down this road, we're going to lose the House. Uh, uh, that's the way the Democrats play. The Democrats go for impeachment. You know, we're Republicans. We're better than that. So until we get OJ's glove, until we have a dead body, until we have uh, DNA evidence, uh, we just don't think we've got the case. Now, why do you suppose we, well, I guess we did hear from Merrick Garland very briefly yesterday, but other than that, he's kind of been in a witness protection program. Nobody's heard a word from him. It's like the entire DOJ has gone on strike. If we can't do the right thing when faced with the most corrupt president in history, then what's the point of even going on? They've even got a, 
a lot of these Republicans I'm, I'm listening to are even against the special counsel because they're afraid it'll show Biden to be even more corrupt. If justice is compelled to appoint a special counsel, they might appoint a special counsel that'll cover up for Biden. And wouldn't that be awful? Well, there's no way you're ever going to get a criminal investigation unless there's a special counsel. And that might mean Biden will have to testify under oath to a federal grand jury. Now you can't indict a sitting president. That's justice department policy going back. I don't know, a hundred years. Remember how that stopped the Democrats with Donald Trump? Actually, it didn't, did it? So because Republicans are so spooked that they're going to be criticized by Democrats, Joe, the media, they'll just keep lying. They'll just keep hiding. And why shouldn't they? It's not as if the Democrats, Democrats don't care what we think. DOJ, it's going to get all at once because they're going to get their hearings in D.C. They're going to get their hearings they're all the all the motions, all the pretrial activities are going to be heard by one of these left wing judges. Trump's going to lose all these motions. And the judge in the Hunter Biden uh, probation uh, or uh, uh, plea deal blow up revealed and unmasked what the White House is most afraid of. And how they're going to get around this, I don't know. And what they're most afraid of is the resurrection of the FARA violations provision. FARA is the uh, Foreign Agent uh, Reporting Act, which requires anybody who lobbies on behalf of a foreign agent, be it a foreign government, a foreign country, to register, I believe with the Federal Election Commission or the Federal Trade Commission, to register that they're a foreign lobbyist. Well, if Hunter was a foreign lobbyist, was not a foreign lobbyist, then I am I'm, I'm Shaquille O'Neal. That's all he was, was a foreign lobbyist. And then if you say, for whom and for what? If they move for Farah, it brings everything back into play because justice is, well, first of all, justice is going to go back right now and do whatever they can to rapidly work on another plea deal with Hunter that will include anything but any reference to a violation of the FARA Act, which Paul Manafort is now sitting in prison uh, for violating. See, if you're a Republican and you violate FARA, you go to jail. If you're a Democrat, if you're the president's son, who, whose co-conspirator is the president... And that's what all the Devin Archer testimony reveals. That's what all the FD 1023 whistleblower reports reveal. That's what the testimony of Tony Bobolinsky reveals. That's what the testimony of several of these Ukrainian oligarchs reveal. Joe Biden was the purpose of the foreign lobbying. The DOJ is never going to indict Biden because the DOJ can't indict Biden. But the real issue here is that Joe Biden is manifestly a co-conspirator in the FARA violations. His son violated the Foreign Agent Registration Act in order to facilitate business by involving his father 
who then was vice president of the United States. Joe Biden helped facilitate Hunter's illegal activities. We already know this. Congress is already already has this information. They don't have to show that Joe Biden got any money here. All they have to show is that the the purpose that 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 the party that was being lobbied by Hunter and his foreign clients was the vice president. The case against Joe Biden as a co-conspirator assisting his son to violate foreign lobbying laws is overwhelming. This is a closed case. It's open, revealed, and shut. This should be article number one for any impeachment, let alone the inquiry itself. This is, it's almost bulletproof. You don't need evidence that he took any money. He's a co-conspirator. His son took the money. Let's say his son took all of it, which we know is not true. 10% for the big guy. His, his uh, a tax a summary that he released to the public showed Joe had $7 million in income more than his federal filings showed as a candidate. As a candidate, you've got to release financial disclosures. The IRS stuff shows he has $7 million more than his financial, his, his uh, uh, political reporting shows. They're not, these aren't uh, spurious charges like the phone call that Donald Trump had with Vladimir Zelensky saying, you know, I hear that uh, Joe Biden, our vice president, worked to get the state prosecutor who was investigating the company that my son makes $83,000 a month from for corruption. And Joe Biden demanded that he be fired by your government, and your government complied. And then Joe Biden bragged about it. They bragged. Joe Biden says, I said, I'm leaving here in six hours. You've all heard the tape. I'm leaving here in six hours, and if this guy doesn't get fired, you're not getting the billion dollars. Well, son of a B, he got fired. And everybody laughed. Everybody rolled. That was at the Council on Foreign Relations, a big left-wing think tank um, operation in Washington, D.C. Again, and we're wrapping up here. We're running out of time. What we got is the biggest challenge to freedom and democracy that this country has faced I don't know when. We've never seen anything like this before. This was a, it's all part of a legal assassination attempt on Trump. It's more than a miscarriage of justice that we are all now accustomed to to seeing. It's a kill shot. It's a kill shot against our competitive two-party political system. Criminalizing dissent and disenfranchising you. Criminalizing you. You can vote for a candidate that the state opposes. But if you do, you'll either be disenfranchised 
or worse comes to worse, you could be criminally indicted. And this has been done by hack DOJ lawyers who have done more than any nefarious, malignant uh, efforts in the past. You know, I think I opened the show with this. Uh, We've come a long way. We're 247 years old. We fought a bitter revolution. We fought a horrendous civil war. Two world wars. All kinds of bitterly contested elections. And this is the most serious yet. Because nobody, not even during the Civil War, thought to criminalize and weaponize law enforcement to completely and totally disenfranchise the opponents. This is an attempt to turn the United States into a one-party state that will have the fiction of an opposition But all the institutions, all the levers of government, all the powers of law enforcement will exist to serve the state party and the state party, the party of government, the party of law enforcement, the party of elections, the party of political office, the party of the legislature will forever be Democrat. That's what we face. That's what you face. And it is far more serious than inside baseball examinations of this indictment, that indictment, the strength of this charge, the weakness of that charge. That's what's at stake. And that's why now more than ever, 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 Donald Trump's got to be reelected. Because if he's not, it could be the end. The only exception would be DeSantis, who I think could do a very good job at this. But this is the greatest threat the country faces. This is what is most urgent in our national life to destroy, to eliminate, to clean out, to wipe out our politicized, weaponized legal system. Because when you don't have a fair system, legal system... You don't have a fair country. You don't have a free country. That's it. We're out of time. How do you like that? I did it all without power. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Make sure to give us a five-star rating. Hit the like button wherever you get your podcasts and refer us to a friend. Have a great week, everybody. God bless. God bless.